Today in the Dan Cave, a special dedicated Seahawks pregame drive time edition. An epic clash tonight at CenturyLink on Thursday night football as the Seahawks host the LA Rams and try to take back control of the NFC West. Lots to talk about, so let's scrap the cute little intro bullet points and get right into it. Dan Cave, next. Welcome to the Dan Cave. Here's your host, Dan Vienz. Yet another preview of the new Alter Bridge album coming out October 18th. That's their new track, Dying Light, came out yesterday. Just thought I'd give you a little taste of that if you're into similar musical tastes as we are at the Dan Cave. Episode 53 and trying something new this week with the Thursday Night Football looming tonight. Um, just thought I'd give you a little pregame edition, something you could listen to as you drive into the stadium or as you're stuck in gridlock trying to get to the stadium on a Thursday night game. Uh, the forecast has changed. Originally, they were saying it was going to rain. Now it looks like it's going to be clear. Good conditions in October for a nighttime football game. The atmosphere is going to be electric down at CenturyLink Field. The 41st regular season meeting between the Rams and the Seahawks. The Seahawks lead the all-time series 23-18. to The Rams have won the past three. Uh, the Seahawks dominated this matchup through the early part of the 2000s. They won 10 straight from 2005 to 2009, 16 of 18 from 05 to 2013. But the Rams have won seven of the last 10, including three of the four games with McVay at the helm. Both teams come into this at 3-1. and one. The Hawks coming off a solid win in Arizona, and the Rams reeling a bit. After a 55-40 to 40 loss at home to Tampa. There's three things I want to focus on today. Momentum, mindset, and approach. Momentum's a tricky thing in the NFL. There are times, and I'm a big believer in this, there are times when the most desperate team should be expected to step up and win. You see it a lot. A team, you saw it last week with the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. Going into Lambeau, it screwed up my whole my whole pool for the week. I've told you before, I hated putting big points on my Thursday night pick in the confidence pool. But I put 16 points on the Packers last week. That's how good I felt about the way that defense was playing. And at home, the Thursday night team, uh, the home teams win uh, the predominant number of games on Thursday night. I thought that, that offense... That new offense with Aaron Rodgers is going to start to gel a little bit more. The Eagles were struggling and, and kind of reeling a little bit. And what they do? The Eagles came out and looked like a desperate team. Looked like a team that was playing for their season. And sometimes that can make the difference and be the deciding factor. But there are different types of momentum. And sometimes early in the season, it takes a little while for those things to set in. Seahawks are coming off a game Sunday where... On the exterior, on the outside looking in, the macro view, it just looked like a solid win. They had control of it the whole time, jumped out to a 10-0 lead, really controlled the game, and then put it away late when it looked like Arizona was starting to make a move. And that game we talked last week about how tricky it was. Could have been a trap game. It was on a field in Arizona where the Seahawks have had some nightmares, right? Obviously, the Super Bowl and the way that ended against the Patriots. Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman's Seahawks careers 
ending in the same game within minutes of each other on that field. Sherman tearing his Achilles. It marked the end of his career in Seattle. Now he's in San Francisco. Cam hurt his neck, had to retire from football. And then last year, Earl Thomas breaking his leg there. And not only ending his career in Seattle, but prompting him to flip off Carroll as he's being carted off and also uh, may have prevented um, getting something in return for Earl. There were reports that he was about to be traded to Kansas City. Uh, Will Disley ruptured his patella tendon last year on that field um, after a really promising start to his rookie season. So kind of a house of horrors down there. Um, and then a new offense and a dynamic rookie quarterback. First pick in the draft, Kyler Murray, and a team that's playing with nothing to lose. The Seahawks just came out and looked like the better team and controlled that game from start to finish. Meanwhile, the Rams, down 21 nothing to Tampa Bay early, rallied to make it a game, and then just fell apart at the end. To Tampa Bay at home. They came out of that game looking like and feeling like a team with shaken confidence, especially their quarterback. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on. So momentum. Feel like it's on the Seahawks' favor. I've seen some people on on Twitter today on social media saying, oh, y'all are overconfident in this game. Overconfidence can, can really be a detriment. Under Pete Carroll... We have seen teams, essentially since 2012, every single year. We've seen every single Seahawk team at some point in the season battle through some adversity and then start to come together. And when they do, when you can feel that, you can feel that guys are enjoying playing, they're playing for each other, the locker room is really healthy and in great shape. They're figuring things out on offense and defense. Everyone's contributing. You can start to feel that momentum and you get a growing sense of confidence that they can beat anybody on any Sunday and that they're likely to play well. Go back and look. Every single season, we've seen that happen. Including two years ago when it was supposed to be a rebuilding year and everyone counted us out. However, That usually happens later in the season. Typically under Carroll, since 2014, we see slow starts and it takes a while for things to gel. Feels like it's happening now. Off to a 3-1 start and coming off a really solid performance in a game that could have been very tricky. Whereas the Rams feel like they're figuring things out or trying to figure things out and it feels like the league has figured them out a little bit. I mean, they piled up almost 600 yards of offense on Sunday in a loss, so it's not like they're getting completely shut down. Teams have started to adapt. You see this all the time in the NFL. Teams start to figure out new offenses. Two years ago, it kind of looked like McVay had cracked the code. That he was a step ahead of everybody. He was was playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. And teams weren't built to deal with all of his complex route concepts and, and all those crossing routes. 
They didn't have the linebackers they can cover, and they didn't have enough DBs to stay with them. And then if they put six DBs on the field, they would just run the football down your throat. That foundation is shakier today because the offensive line's not as good, so they're not running the football as well. Aaron Donald only has one sack. He's still getting a lot of pressure, but teams have kind of figured out that if you double him, they don't have a lot of impact elsewhere on that line, at least not enough to make up for it. Their DBs are playing better, but they're still vulnerable in some areas. And that offense, teams have learned how to how to defend it a little bit. And we'll get into that in a little bit too, I think, in, in how it relates specifically to the Seahawks. Next, the mindset. How do you feel going into this game? And there's a huge difference. Thursday night football. Short week. Did you hear what Todd Gurley said about this after the game on Sunday? Here's his exact quote. You know how I feel about Thursday night games, Gurley told ESPN, I feel like they're the dumbest thing ever. So here you have one of the Rams' star players and a guy who's battling some issues of his own. He's been productive this year. Even though he doesn't look as explosive as he had in the, has in the past, and there's still whispers about that arthritic knee. There's a reason he's not getting as many touches. They used him in the passing game a lot Sunday, but only four carries. They're trying to manage his load. And now you have that guy basically saying, I hate what we have to do this week. And then there's Pete Carroll, who had this to say about playing on Thursday night. You know, it's such an accelerated week, but now that it gets to this day, it feels like we, we put together a full week, even just a couple days. And, and uh, so we feel comfortable with, with the prep, and we're looking forward to it. We're feeling pretty good health-wise. And, and uh, so we're really excited about the opportunity to play on Thursday night and, and uh, you know, play a team in, in the division, a Ram team that's been so good uh, that they're going to challenge us in every way. Um, but we need this kind of challenge, and so we're looking forward to it. Attitude-wise, our guys have captured the opportunity again. I think that they understand it. They know how to, how to take it through Monday and come out of there with the right feeling and Tuesday with the right feeling, and here we are. I, I, like I said to you, I feel like so we're ready to So you can see the difference. And if you've heard, you know, Carroll's coach speak before, he's always going to be positive, right? But he's talking like a guy. Man, they have a plan. They've figured out how to deal with this week. And this is what Carroll is all about. He's about mindset and he's about approach and he's about the psychology behind it. There's nothing you can do about the short week. <laughs> Maybe in the next labor negotiations you can do something about it but you can't now it's a game on your schedule and it's an important game it'd be one thing if this was the Arizona game but you can't do anything about it and so instead of bitching about it like Todd Gurley has Carroll not only is just trying to get his team ready through positive reinforcement and raw raw motivational speeches they have a system and they have a plan how to recover for it or, or from the previous week, how to make sure guys are ready, how to change your practice routine. Certainly it's easier to be the home team. And it's worked. The Seahawks have gone 26, 
five and one in primetime games under Carroll, outscoring those teams eight hundred and thirty-four to four sixty-five. They're seventeen and two at home in primetime, and they're eight and one on Thursday night under Carroll. Carroll says they normalize it so it doesn't feel like a big game. Now on that, I call bullshit because this is a huge game. But they've normally they, they've come up with a routine and a system. And you don't hear any Seahawks players bitching about it. Richard Sherman used to while he was here. But nobody's bitching about it now. They see this opportunity. I don't know if you read the stories, but the Seahawks game was wrapping up in Arizona because there were a 105 kickoff. And the Rams-Tampa Bay game had taken so long because there was so much scoring. The end of that game was still going. And the Seahawks got into the locker room and they were all piling around TVs in the locker room. And when Indomitian Sue picked up that fumble late in the game and returned it for a touchdown to ice that game, the Seahawks were going crazy in the locker room. They were already starting to think about Thursday. They took care of business Sunday, and now they're looking ahead to, to Thursday. Now let's talk about their approach to this game from an X's and O's standpoint on, on the field, between the lines. The Rams are interesting this year. They've improved against the run. Remember, the Seahawks piled up huge rushing yards against them last year, even though Carson missed the first game and um, Fluker missed one of the games. Jordan Simmons had to play. They're ninth in the league right now, giving up 91.8 yards a game. The Seahawks, meanwhile, are sixth at 79.5. They're 15th against the pass, though. They're giving up about 240 yards a game. The Seahawks are like a yard behind them. In DVOA, you've heard me talk about this. Footballoutsiders.com. Seattle's 11th overall right now. The Rams are 12th. Things are so even. It's kind of crazy. They both took a step back after this last week. Seahawks are 7th on offense in DVOA. 17th on defense. It's kind of hard to get used to saying that when you think about you know, Seahawk teams the last seven or eight years. The Rams are 12th overall. They're 11th on offense, 10th on defense. They've taken a step back in offense. I believe they were one or two in offensive DVOA last year. So to me, approach to this game is going to be key. How are the Seahawks going to attack this Rams team? Here's what Carroll had to say about their approach to this game. I want you to listen closely, and then afterwards I'll give you what I think is my translation. You know, we want to be, We know that to, to be successful in this game, we have to be really well-balanced across the board. We're going to have to do everything. We have to be uh, really oiled up on, on offense and, and not give them the football. We're going to have to figure out a way to slow down the, the offense. You know, about put up 600 yards last week, uh, 40-something points in, in the game they lost, not to mention the other ones. And on special teams, they give us all kinds of problems. They, they're a historically uh, very dynamic special teams group because of the coach, and I think John does a great job with those guys. So, uh, yeah, we have to find the balance that gives us a chance to stay with these guys and get get you know a chance in the fourth quarter. To win okay, so don't freak out, all right? Again, if you're used to Carroll's coach speak, you may take that the wrong way. Right? He talks about balance. He talks about the fourth quarter. You're thinking, oh, Jesus. This is going to be like the Cowboys playoff game, right? He's going to play it close to the vest. They're going to pound the ball. They're going to run it on first and second, throw it on third. I hear something different. 
and some of it is context taken from other comments throughout the week as well. I hear everything. Early in that quote, you heard him say, we have to do everything. Shoddy talked this week, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, about taking what the defense gives and adjusting. And if you haven't started to believe in Brian Schottenheimer yet, hopefully this game will help make a statement, and you will as the season goes on. Because I'm seeing some really cool things from him this year. The Pittsburgh game was the best example. They were kicking the Seahawks' ass on the pass rush and up front early in that game. The Seahawks adjusted, threw the ball more, and got the ball out really quick. We saw them adjust in the Arizona game. They threw the ball early, and Schottenheimer talked this week about how confident they are in Russell doing that. They threw the ball early, threw the ball on first down early in this game. And then they they kind of they kind of used the pass to set up the run against the Cardinals. And then Carson just pounded them later, and they finished with that eight-minute drive to seal the game. I think you're going to see the Seahawks be balanced, yes, but I think they're going to be pretty wide open. And in particular, if the Rams do score early, I think you're going to see see the Seahawks open it up. Um pretty early on I want to talk some more about Chris Carson because I think he's a key to this game as well uh three fumbles in the first three games um the third one against the Saints was obviously a huge one because it was uh returned for a touchdown by Von Bell and uh kind of swung the game so there were a lot of people saying bench him give CJ Procise a chance Carroll talked about the confidence they were going to have in him, and they also worked about some things in how he was carrying the football, and thank goodness they did because it paid off. Over 100 yards last week, no fumbles. He was patient. He was decisive. He was instinctive and powerful. Caught the ball out of the backfield. He was confident. Wasn't shaken at all. And the confidence they showed in him paid off, and I think he's ready for a huge game. Um, here's a little bit more about what Brian Schottenheimer had to say about Carson's performance in Arizona. Uh, it was cool to see. You know, we talked about you know last week the same time, right? We talked about uh, that he would get through those issues, and uh, some of the yards he made were just such incredible, uh, tough runs. I mean, just the way he was able to move people and run through people and yards after, after contact was awesome. Um, and you saw him, all right? He was aware of the ball. I mean, even when he was delivering blows and hitting people with his shoulder, running over him, he had the ball, you know, high and tight. And uh, it was great to see him. Not not surprising that he did it. Uh, it's what we expect from Chris, and uh, we knew it would happen. So I do look for a big game from Chris Carson tonight. I think he's going to be a, a, a key, certainly. Um, two keys here to the game that I want to focus on as well. The Rams offensive line, I mentioned it earlier, they've been terrible this year. They lost John Sullivan and Roger Saffold starting center and guard um, to free agency. You know, we could talk uh, more at length here about the win- the Rams' window of their championship opportunity, and I think those are two good examples. You know, they have to let some good players walk in free agency now because, you know, they handed $110 million guaranteed and $134 million to Jared Goff this offseason. They're paying Gurley paying what they're paying him. They're paying... Brandon Cooks, what they're paying him. Um, Aaron Donald got that massive deal. Things are starting to catch up with them a little bit. They're definitely in go-for-it mode. And their last two drafts haven't been that impactful. This kind of feels like the Seahawks in 15 and 16. But, uh, 
you know, that's we could talk for 20 minutes about that. I just that's kind of a little side note here, but their offensive line is taking a hit because of it. Not just because those guys are gone, but Andrew Whitworth, who's now I should have looked this up. I think he's 37 years old. He's looking his age. Looks a step slower. He's struggled this year. And Rob Havenstein at right tackle has really struggled. Shaq Barrett dominated him on Sunday. And Goff is not good under pressure. We've seen that. Lots of yards last week. And lots of yards on the season so far. I think he's fourth in the league over 1,200 yards passing. But he has six picks. That's tied for worst in the NFL. If you pressure him, he's not that mobile. He's not good on the run. And I've never thought he was special. Just to build on that previous point, the day they handed him that $110 million guaranteed as a Seahawks fan, I rejoiced. Because I don't think he's special. If everything isn't working perfectly in that offense, I don't think he's the guy that, the kind of guy, let me put it this way. We've seen Russell Wilson win games when we have no business winning that game. When everything's falling apart, the running game isn't working, he's not getting pass protection, he'll make things happen. He has that special quality about him. Not just from an athletic standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. His mental acuity, um, the way he is just so laser-focused, and the way he performs in big moments. I don't believe Jared Goff possesses those qualities, never have. And so now... You have Ziggy Ansah, Jadevian Clowney getting more comfortable. We saw signs last week. Ansah, you could see the rust in that game against the Saints. Didn't even get on the stat sheet. Last week, he was really pressuring Murray, got his first sack. Clowney, of course, had the pick six. Those guys are getting more comfortable, and they're going to continue to get better. So the Rams have to deal with that. Rasheem Green growing by the day. That sack he had of Kyler Murray, the athletic ability he showed was unbelievable. And we've seen something, we've seen he hasn't dominated a game yet. He hasn't come out and put a big game together on the stat sheet. But he had the strip sack fumble uh, in the opening game against the Bengals. He's done something every game to make you think, okay, 22 years old, this kid's starting to figure it out. He could really be something. LJ Collier made some plays at the line of scrimmage against the Cardinals in just his second game back from the injury and being a rookie and all that. Quentin Jefferson is in the top 10 in the NFL in QB pressures right now. So look for the defensive line to try to exploit that struggling offensive line for the Rams. And we saw it in the Super Bowl when they lost 13-3 to to the Patriots. If you get penetration, that's the way. That's the way to screw up that Rams offense. It takes the way the Jets sweep and it makes, it makes Goff have to do things he's not comfortable with and not good at doing. Okay, I've seen a lot of this on, on Twitter, as I said earlier. Y- you know, don't be too overconfident. Oh, you're walking into a trap. I don't buy jinxes. I don't buy that stuff. Sometimes you just get a feeling. And this game, it feels like the Seahawks are about to make a statement. I've felt this way before and been wrong. There are weeks that I thought they would play really well and they haven't. But I felt this way last year before the Kansas City game. It reminds me of that game. Nobody thought the Seahawks could keep up with Patrick Mahomes in that offense or control that offense or win a shootout. And they did all those things. It reminds me of that game. 
I didn't feel great going into the Saints game. I feel like this is a chance for the Seahawks to make a statement. The way the Rams made a statement two years ago at the end of the year in CenturyLink Field, in that game when Bobby was banged up and Gurley ran all over us and they blew us out early and announced there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new leader in the NFC West, your time is done, it's our time now. This feels like the Seahawks' chance to make that statement. They came close, even though they couldn't match the Rams last year from a talent standpoint. But they came close in both games last year. Couldn't get it done. Feels like they have a real chance to make a statement. And it feels like Russell is about to make a statement. And if he has a great game tonight and the Seahawks win, we're going to have a conversation on next week's episode about uh, Russell as an MVP candidate and a guy who should... Uh, be considered not as a top five quarterback, which has been the debate over the last couple of years, but as a top three quarterback in the NFL. The winner puts themselves in good shape to control the division. The 49ers are 3-0 and coming off a bye, but their wins have come against Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Arizona, the same team Seattle has beaten. Seattle gets their first chance to notch a quality win in the division against a good team tonight. It's a great opportunity for them. Here's the secret ingredient to this game. For me, everything the Hawks did over the offseason was to match up better with the Rams. Some in the short term, some in the long term. I believe the reason they they drafted Cody Barton and Marquise Blair and Ugo Amati was to match up better with what the Rams do. And those guys aren't even playing yet. But the way they use their safeties now, not just leaving Earl Thomas back there on an island by himself playing center field, but with two safeties, multiple looks, interchangeable, Defense really doesn't know who's taking free responsibilities, who's taking strong response responsibilities. The way they're using their base defense more than anyone else in the in the league, keeping three linebackers on the field, keeping Mike Michael Kendricks on the field. What a revelation he's been this year. He can do everything. Kendricks, Wagner, and Wright cover tight ends and backs, and at times wide receivers, better than any linebackers in the league. And they're all on the field at the same time. And Kendricks being on the field, the Seahawks playing so much base against teams like this, when they're used to facing nickel and dime and six DBs all over the place, it's harder for the offense because they have to honor the Seahawks' ability to stop the run. They can't just look at them and say, okay, geez, they're in dime right now. They have six DBs on the field. They only have they only have five in the box. We're going to run the football. They can't. Because there's seven in the box at all times. And you don't know if Ken- Kendricks is rushing off the edge? Or playing his run responsibilities and his run keys? Or if you try to sneak a receiver or a back out there, he can cover him as well as anyone. So there's an element of surprise there. They also aren't quite sure how the Hawks are going to deploy Clowney and Anson. Against Cincinnati, we saw Clowney rushing primarily off the right side. What do we see Sunday? Left side. He was playing Leo. Now that Anson's is there, it seems like he's playing more Leo and Clowney's playing more five technique base end. They don't know what they're going to do with those guys. Crowd's going to be a huge key tonight. They're honoring Paul Allen, inducting him into the, into the ring of honor. 
I know it's hard to get to these games on Thursday. If you're listening right now and you're trying to get there, you're thinking about stopping somewhere for a drink or a burger, just get to the stadium, get in early, beat the lines, get something there, pay the extra money, get in your damn seat. Be there for Paul Allen because he's quite frankly the greatest owner that Seattle Pro Sports have ever had. Be in your seats. Ramp that atmosphere up. Make that place crazy. Seahawks are going to be in their action green. I know some of you hate that. I love it. I'm wearing my action green chancellor right now in honor of that. I have to work tonight, so I can't wear, although I will have my Seahawks tie on under my vest. Get there early. Be loud. I felt like after a couple of years of the crowd seeming off, Maybe because some of the new blood in the stands or or because the last couple seasons were a little bit down, expectations were lower. I thought opening day against Cincinnati was the loudest crowd I'd heard in years. They were starting to be loud when the off the other offense was in the huddle. That aspect had gone away over the last couple of years. Be loud tonight. Be loud early and often. Be loud when the other team's in the huddle. Be loud so that Ansa and Clowney... We have Ziggy, Ansa, and Jadevian Clowney as our defensive ends. Remember three, four months ago when we didn't know where our pass rush was going to come from? We thought it was going to be Cassius Marsh and Nate Orchard? (laughs) Give those guys an advantage. Give them that extra split second to fire off the line. Don't get discouraged if things are shaky early on. You can make a difference tonight. God, it's going to be fun. I wish I could be there. This is one of the games I can't make it to. Go effing Seahawks. That's going to do it. I'll let you get to the game now. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Click the link in my Twitter bio. It'll take you to my podcast page. Click on that button. Leave me a voice message. After the game tonight, I would love your reaction to the game. Whether they win or lose, you're happy or you're pissed off. Leave me a voice message. We'll play them in the next episode. Read my stuff on Seahawk Maven, run by Corbin Smith, now part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Come see me at the Woodman Lodge in Snoqualmie if you get a chance. I make the best old-fashioned Western Washington. And that's just not me saying that. I have an award to prove it. And I'm going to leave you with a little bit more of Alter Bridge's new song, Dying Light, off their new album, Walk the Sky, coming out October 18th, six days after my birthday. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game tonight more than ever. Go Seahawks, but also go Mariners and go Cougs. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Viennes. We'll see you next time.